Welcome back to Limbach Unlocked. So there's some of us who think and act really well in our little corner of the world, right? And we're happy in this corner. It's great. It's neat. We know it. We rock it. You get me. But there's some other people who see not only their little corner, but Joe's, Sally's, Tom's, and the corners to connect these corners and become this tesseract of endless possibilities and opportunities and life changes as we know it. It's all quite overwhelming unless you train yourself to think that way, which is what Melissa DeMiro and Mike McCann, two of our top company leaders, have trained themselves to do in order to get where they are today and be able to run a company at the highest level. This kind of thinking is also known as systems thinking. And they're here today to share a bit about the value of systems thinking if you want to grow as a leader. I'm Katie Mystery. Let's get started, shall we? Mike and Melissa, thank you both for joining. Mike, can we start with your history with this company and with leadership in this company? Sure. I was hired in the company in 2010. Um, before I worked for the company, um, coming out of school, I worked for a smaller mechanical contractor in the New Jersey and Boston area. Very entrepreneurial driven, um, small company. Uh, gave me a lot of opportunity to really to first manage people in, in an office. Um, but in 2010, um, opportunity arose to go to the Tampa location. And really my primary function at that time was account management, which is rebuilding our brand and um, you know selling work, marketing, those were the initial functions that I was hired for. Um, over time, my um, responsibilities have increased from Tampa to Florida to obviously the role that I'm in now as the company. So uh, my leadership responsibility has evolved. I did mm-hmm. learn good and bad things at my previous company that really helped me when I went to Tampa regarding management people, around getting people in the right spot at the right time, um, thinking further ahead strategically. Um, those are the things that kind of really helped me when I came to the company. Okay. And we're going to unpack some of those things because I think they really have a lot to do with our topic for today. But Melissa, what about you? I would love to know your history, not only with this company, but like Mike um, shared some of your background in general. Sure. So I'm happy to, um, you know, I came to Limbach almost a year ago. I'm a week out from my anniversary at this point. Um, and I really came to the company um, after about 18 years of uh, HR leadership experience. Um, I guess the last 15 of those were um, at GE Aviation. And um, that's, a, that's a company that I, in, in, I think of that provided me with the foundation of what it means to be a good HR leader, a good business leader, um, from leading small teams you know, of a couple of people to supporting organizations of you know, 10,000 or more. Um, really um, provided me with an understanding of, you know, leadership is situational. You have to be able to see what's in front of you, but then you have to be able to zoom out and see the bigger picture. Um, I had a mentor that used to tell me you have to be able to look down and look up at the same time. Um, and, you know, that, that mindset has served me pretty well. Um, I started my career in a printing industry. Um, and really worked my way through undergrad and grad school, um, working in a printing company as an HR leader. So that's how I got my start. Wow. So for both of you, it's, it doesn't necessarily take 
30, 40 years to get to the top of your field, but it does take a lot of um, hard work, thinking, processing, learning from other people. And that's what we really want to uncover today, especially because we're talking about something that I think takes all of those skills in one. So our topic for today is systems thinking. And I shared with you a definition of systems thinking that I found, um, but for the sake of our listeners, I want to share that definition again. So that says that systems thinking is a way of viewing an organization holistically and being able to examine and connect the parts of the whole. So by examining this organization systematically, um, you can create more efficient processes and avoid practices practices with unintended and potentially negative outcomes. So I'm curious, what do you think of this definition? Would you agree, disagree, add to the understanding of the system and why? So Melissa, can we start with you? Sure. So, you know, at its surface level, yeah, I agree with, uh, with your definition. Um, for me, systems thinking, you know, really comes down to everything you see in the world is part of the system. Um, and you know, for us, right. If you think about the HVAC or even the plumbing systems that we might install or the buildings that they're a part of, they work as a system. There might be components of those systems. Um, but in order for the whole thing to work, everything sort of has to line up just right. And, um, you know, take it into my world and organization is a system. There's mm-hmm. individual people, individual talent and skills. There's the way that you structure the organization. It is the um, industry that you're a part of and the culture. There's so many things that impact that system. So, you know, for me, systems thinking is about how do you step back and see everything holistically and understand that there are interactions occurring at all of those different subsystem type levels that get you to the outcome that you're getting. Again, that look up, look down. I'd add look side to side. Yeah. Okay. Are you zooming out and looking at the whole picture to understand where you actually are? Okay. Okay. And Mike, what's your perspective of this definition? Um, you know, every time I think of systems, I think of, um, you know, I, I think about somebody, in, somebody installing a piece of pipe or somebody doing an individual task. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you probably needed your individual system for that. Maybe there's a way of organization in your time, but I really think of systems as kind of an organization of how you scale and repeat outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think in a system format, you have to, you, as Melissa and, and you said in the definition, you have to think about the whole process, but I think you have to, you have to think about the process in a way that you could narrate that or translate that to multiple people. So if a person is doing a task and they know what that task is and they've been doing it for 30 or 40 years or five or 10, whatever the timeline is, it's a lot easier because they have that knowledge in their head. But systems thinking in my mind is, okay, how do we speed that process up? How do we get that message to multiple people? How do we get that so we have repeatable outcomes? And then that kind of, I I think about how that fits into the company in itself is um, we want to make sure that you know, we're helping people, we're giving them the tools, the information they need. And, and in essence, if we have a good system and we do that and we're thinking that way, we'll get the outcome that we want or expect. If we don't do that, then we still may get the outcome, but you're not going to scale an organization. You're not going to make sure that your information is broadly cross, spent across the, um, the company um, and you won't get the consistency of the outcome. So system, I automatically think like, okay, a company scaling from three or four people to a thousand plus people, 
the only way you're going to get there is a system and a repeatable system. Gotcha. Okay. And can you build on your answer, Mike, and tell me why thinking in this way might be a key skill? Because what you just shared, I mean, it sounds like it takes practice. Uh, maybe it comes more naturally to some than others, but in my mind, this is a skill. You know, this is something that can be taught. So, so is that true? And if so, why is it a key skill for a leader? I think there's a couple things. I think, you know, as a leader, you've got to, you know, and I've learned my way through this process, you know, mm -hmm. with good things and bad things or good outcomes and bad outcomes. But you have to, first off, you got to be thinking far enough ahead. You've got to realize that actions you may take 12 or 18 months, you know, ago are going to impact what happens now. Mm -hmm. So it really, and I think it really comes down to the core of understanding how to lead people to. If you're, if you want a certain outcome, you've got to set people up for success. And if something doesn't go right, I think it's, it's it, maybe it's a little bit about servant leadership. You got to think to yourself, it's not the person's issue. The company and the system was wrong or the system was right and we didn't implement it. So I think the mindset of thinking um, when something goes off track, the mindset of that servant leadership, of, okay, yeah, that's, that's not the employee. We didn't put that employee in a good spot. We didn't write down the systems. We didn't monitor that. I think that to me is always, as I was thinking about this the last couple of days, it always kind of the core of that. If you don't have that mindset, um, then you're going to create this great system, and and you're not going to implement it properly, and you're 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 going to be you're going to not put people in a position for success. So that's kind of what I think about from a system perspective of how you want. If you've got to get the mindset right, and I think I always go back. I said this two times: servant leadership. You got to think to yourself: Did I put this person in a position to be successful? Am I thinking about the task and appreciating? what they have to do as opposed to dictating something that's not repeatable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely a skill that, you know, as a company, we try to share with people, all of our leadership programs are based on a servant leadership curriculum. And for, for the reasons you just described, and as it relates to systems thinking, it definitely sounds, and you said it, something that you can, it sounds like something you can learn, but it takes a mindset. It starts with your mind. It starts with that thinking, which makes sense. So if that's the key skill, then how do you actually do it? And Melissa, I'd like to go to you first on this one. How do you begin to start thinking in this way? Well, so, you know, maybe sharing my own personal example might be helpful um, for the listeners. So, you know, I, I mentioned I worked at GE Aviation prior and 10 of my years there, I spent specifically supporting engineers, right? And in engineering, they teach you a concept of systems thinking, Mm -hmm. And um, part of systems engineering is really understanding how a bigger system really functions, maybe mechanically. But as I sat through some of those, and frankly, was immersed with leaders who were constantly talking about this, um, it dawned on me the importance of this from an organizational perspective, from a talent perspective, et cetera. And again, I had mentors that were encouraging me, encouraging me to look further than just my role, my, my specific span of impact, right? They were encouraging me to think bigger express, you know, um, a broader understanding for the business and look for the um, different components of the organization and how they were coming together. So, mm -hmm. you know, that I would attribute with sparking this interest in me. Um, but really leaders can determine how they want to see a problem. You can think as big or as small as you sort of set your mind to. And I got used to surrounding myself with people who would push me outside of my boundaries to think differently. 
I would intentionally go out and find people who thought differently about how I approach something that maybe they sit in a very different role of the company. Maybe they sit outside in another industry. Um, but surrounding myself with people who wouldn't just subscribe to my position, my thought process, my view of the world. What that helped me understand is the systems that maybe are going on that I'm not observant of. I don't see them in my day to day. So as an example, Mike, you talked about setting people up for success. You know, I, I obviously own the hiring and, and talent acquisition process for the company. But once they're hired, what is the system that they go into? What leadership support do they have or not have? What onboarding do they have or not have? What is the skill sets that we're developing in them or not? What's the PPE that we provide to create a safe environment? You know, all of these things are parts of a system, right? And so if I wasn't aware of all of that system and the system effect, I may think that my hiring process is the reason people stay or go within the company or get promoted or don't. It's so much more complex than that. And so again, you know, systems thinking for me, again, I'm big on analogies, right? <laughs> if you're going on a trip and you take a car, you're going to see exactly what you can see on that ground level as you're taking your trip. Force yourself to zoom out and think, if I were in an airplane, what would I see? You'd see a lot more of your context. You're going to see a lot more of the surrounding area. You might know a hill's coming before it's actually there, and you can even tell in your car because you can't see that far. Thinking up and down at the same time. So I know that's a long answer, Katie, but that's sort of how it sparked for me. And, you know, this is something that I continue to learn about. There are things today that are unseen in our organization that I don't understand. Um, and I'll only understand that if I'm seeking out that other perspective. No, it's, it's a great answer. Long or not, I think it's worth listening to. Mike, do you have anything you would add to that? Sure. Yeah, I, I think I've, you know, sometimes things do evolve over time and sometimes you have an inflection point. I definitely had a, a very specific period inflection point on this where um, this might be a lengthy answer, but we, and Katie, you really helped me get there on this thinking and uh, help me implement it. But you know, we started to grow the business in Florida and um, Charlie had challenged the team to grow the business. And we had, you know, doubled the business over a year, year and a half period of time. But I think doubling that business, um, we were really challenged because we were set up to run a branch that was a branch or really was two branches set up based on normal revenue, you know, growth, five or 10%. It was in the normal, like, you know, brackets. We doubled the revenue the next year, and it was really eye-opening because when you hire people, when you set expectations, and you're doing it based upon what you've done in the past, which in the past would relied upon a lot of outstanding people that knew what they had to do, mm -hmm. um, then you start bringing people in, then you start expanding your scope, and it became the outcomes weren't as good, um, and the stress builds. It's tremendous mm -hmm. stress. So. I think it was in 2013 or 14. And there was a couple different things that we, um, you know, I talked to Charlie about it and a lot of it, I also did research at the time too, but there was a couple key things like made me think about systems. One of them was we visited an electrical contractor in the area, Charlie and I, and we sat down with them and immediately you knew that everybody knew what they had to do. They were trained, they were onboarded, they had scorecards, they had written process and it was, it was almost like turning construction into manufacturing in a way. Um, that was one thing. The other thing that, you know, just from like a, 
a movie perspective. There's a movie called The Founder with Ray Kroc. And there's a scene where he's on the basketball court and he's drawing out the kitchen and he's on a ladder. And he's talking about not just flipping burgers at one location. He's talking about flipping burgers at multiple locations. And it's just an exact science. It's a system that um, makes you think, okay, I get it now. Now I can repeat this. I'm gonna do this not just in one place, but I'm gonna do this in thousands of locations. So that to me is a really good example. I also did a lot of reading. Um, as a third piece of this, there's um, there's an author and somebody, um, I don't know, he writes a lot of books, this guy's named Patrick Bet David. And this is a podcast that I saw um, probably like six or seven years ago. And he was talking about companies. And he said, there's really three attributes to companies. It's people, product, and process or systems. And they were talking about how to scale. And I think that was kind of the premise of the podcast. And he talked about people, extremely important. And it was really about the leader. Okay, if you have a dynamic leader, um, that's great. Um, if you have a great product, that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, if you have a system, the system is what's going to be lasting. It's going to be repeatable. Everyone's going to understand. And the system really is the key to getting scale at that point. That's where you can really leverage. So that was like another like, okay, I get it now. Um, so you need a good product. And in our world, the product is obviously us installing pipe material, handling service calls. But the system was like, okay, if I want to and I went back to my example. If we went from you know $30 million in revenue to 60, and we wanted to go from 60 to 120, you are kidding yourself if you're just gonna, if you wanna move quickly, if you don't have a system, you're in a position at that point where um, you're not gonna get the outcomes that we want. So I think that made me think, okay, you know, and Katie, you helped me with this tremendously and we're still as a company evolving, but onboarding, training, scorecards, writing down processes, interviewing employees, um, making videos about obviously what the right processes are. And I think too, when we were doing this, people were thinking like, and we're still doing this as a company, like you start to also appreciate what it takes, how much workmanship it takes to install a piece of pipe in the on, on underground, you know, four feet below, like all the little individual steps. I think that's the other, you know, thing that really helps when you start in system thinking, you start to really appreciate what happens when it goes into there. Um, and then the last point that I'll make, and I know I'm rambling on here, is no, no, you, can, you, you can have a good system, but you know, in that podcast, if you're not a driver and you don't have energy, it won't go anywhere. So if you're going to be committed that you're going to be system thinking and you're not the driver, if you don't have the energy, it, that is the most important attribute to get going. Because otherwise, it, it, it's a, it'll just be a bunch of pace of, it'll just be a bunch of stuff on the internet or a, a policy that sits on somebody's desk. You got to really believe in it and you've got to go all in to think, okay, this is the right way to think. I'm, I'm, I know I, I knew it. the outcome wasn't going to be consistent. It wasn't the way we wanted the outcome to be. So, okay, let's look back and think about things different. That required thinking a couple, a couple, um, a year or two down the line about what we can do to improve, not just the outcome, but improve people's environment too, where they, they're going to feel less stressed if um, they know what they have to do, the expectations are known, and then they can just execute at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's funny that you and Melissa approach systems thinking, I would say from different angles, but you both just provided such tangible as well as theoretical uh, insight into how to think systemically, systematically. Um, and some of the things that really struck me about what both of you said, Melissa, you talked about listening to other people, surrounding yourself with people who think differently. 
Mike's angle on that was you need the energy, you need the drive to be able to do this, to be able to see that people plus product plus process really come to be. And in my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but those two things go together. You need the energy to surround yourself with people who think differently so you can pursue this formula, if you will, to be forward thinking, um, to have training, to, to find the right processes, to develop the scorecards, um, and to make it all scalable. So what you both said to me really has created this deep understanding of what it takes to think in this way. So thank you. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Thank you for that. This is a complex topic. This is a complex world. And an organization is a complex thing with a lot of moving parts. So how do you get all of those parts to work together while still keeping in mind the bigger picture? Can you give us examples of how you do this in your day-to-day role? And Mike, I'd like to go back to something that you said because you mentioned training, process documentation, scorecards, and we did all of that. We're still doing all of that. How do you find the drive? How do you find the time and the understanding to focus on those little things while still keeping in mind that bigger picture? I think the first thing is you have to be organized yourself. You've got to, you know, I I was thinking about this too, is you have your own personal system. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if you're not organized and thinking, then you're going to, and nobody's perfect, including myself. But if you don't, if you're not setting the tone of organization and thinking and known outcomes, even with a schedule, then it's going to be really difficult to try to implement a system because start, they're going to look, you know, people are going to look and say, okay, well, you want all these things to happen, but you know, there doesn't seem to be as much consistency as maybe there should. I think the other thing that as far as um, I think reflecting and to me, it's always stuff that I'll do on Sunday is to think, okay, you know, short-term, long-term, Um, and I know for me, when I get into the week, it's about completing tasks and taking action. And I definitely think there's that reflection point for me. It's on Sunday when I think about my notes and I have my little routine and, you know, whatever I'm doing on Sunday or even watching TV, I'm always thinking about, you know, the different periods of time and are we, what are we doing now? And is that really going to help us in the long term? Um, the other key thing I think it's important is, um, I know I do this and I have to check myself is the aspirations of getting a lot done and multiple tasks. And then if you're thinking about in a systems format, you got to keep it simple. Um, yeah. Even in a meeting I had this morning, I had a board of a hundred items on there. I'm like, okay, okay. What's realistic? What's the 80, 20 rule. And, um, and how do you, how do you get a couple things going, build the schedule out? It's no different than if you're building something. Um, you just got to make sure the short term, what you're doing, you're thinking about what the long term impact of that is. If you're going through and doing a bunch of parts and pieces and that doesn't make sense with the long term. Um, first off, you're going to constantly have to adapt to it and adaptions come, I think come. But um, at the end of the day, I think you've got to be you got to make sure you write it down, I guess, is the other thing I'll say. You got to keep it simple. You got to write it down and you got to make sure your own personal schedule matches what your um, ambition is from a, you know, system in a perspective. And Melissa, you had mentioned, you know, in your role, you're looking at onboarding, talent development, leader development, um, 
scaling the organization. We have a lot going on in terms of what's going on in the world right now um, and, and managing that within our own organization. How would you answer this question? How do all those parts work while still keeping in mind that bigger picture? So, you know, something that struck me and what Mike was talking about, you know, for me, I start with getting clear on the vision myself and making sure that I understand the critical drivers that affect the outcomes. Once I can get in and understand where we're trying to go and see the critical drivers, because there's a lot of noise in a system right? And you're not going to be able to affect everything, but there's a certain essential few that have a disproportionate impact on an outcome. I become laser focused on those. And I try my best to articulate and visually show people that system and how that system is how we're going to get to the outcome. Because I alone in an organization of this size cannot shift the system myself, all by myself. And Mike and I have plenty of uh, conversations where we talk about the systems effectiveness of everything that we do. So when I think about, um, you know, how I apply to my day-to-day life, that's one piece. The second is, again, I'm only one person. Each of us are only one person. What is the best use of my time to multiply the impact of what I'm doing and scale it? So as an example, Katie brought up onboarding. One of the things that we learned was, you know, when I came into the organization, onboarding was a big challenge for us as a company. We weren't getting people up to speed in an effective, efficient way that made them feel great about joining the company. So we decided to change that. And we did it centrally because with that amount of effort, we can have a great impact on the entire group of folks coming in, take that off of a manager's plate, we don't all need to be experts in onboarding. We can do that centrally. And that has a big effect, right? What's the next piece? What's the next piece, right? You can look at each of the processes that we have within the company. Take retention. Um, it's no secret to this company that I'm passionate about making sure we have good retention and we are an employer of choice within, within um, our industry and beyond, right? So break that down into the key components. Based on the data, what are the critical things that drive the most impact? And then let's, like Mike said, I'm a driver, right? So I'm gonna hone in on those things and we're going to get them to a process that's as close to repeatable and positive as possible. And then you go back and reevaluate. So, you know, I, whether it's talent development, whether it's a recruiting processes, onboarding, um, you know, you name it. That's typically how I'm approaching um, the complexity of, of what we have in front of us right now. Okay. So to reiterate what I heard from both of you, keep it simple, stay organized, write it down, know the vision, the critical drivers, and engage others to multiply impact. And then both of you said the same thing, just in different ways, that you make time to reevaluate or to reflect. And I don't want to gloss over that because while all of this is important, reflection and reevaluating all comes back to this idea of thinking. And that's something that I see in my role. We don't spend enough time thinking. And, and I know there's a balance, right? We don't want to spend all our time thinking and not acting. But 
thinking is a big part of being a systems-minded leader. And one article I read in preparation for this episode was to keep an eye out for signs of systemic processes in your personal life as well as in your organizational life, like the impact your actions might have on on your family or in in your day-to-day. Could you reinforce a loop or could you break a loop if you picked your socks up off the floor? Or what might happen if you turned off the water while you're brushing your teeth? I mean, these are really small examples, but the idea of this article was that every movement you make, every everything you do comes back to how you think about the world. Um, and so it's really important to practice thinking, which sounds a little bit crazy, but to actually practice, maybe sit down with your cup of coffee coffee, the newspaper, uh, a pad of paper and a pen and look for news stories that you could find those loops um, or patterns of behavior, if you will. And this is something I've started to try and do to develop this skill because I want to be able to see the big picture and see how my actions might affect others. So the goal of this episode really is to encourage people to start doing something like that. And I think this list that you both have provided will really help. Um, And all that being said, you talked about it briefly, but I just want to focus on it a little bit more. What is the value of reflection or thinking to be able to see the system and lead within it? And if you could speak to some of the barriers you might face in doing so, but also how you can work to overcome those barriers. Melissa, would you, would you mind starting us off uh, with your thoughts on this? So, um, I don't think there's anyone in our company or frankly, anyone I meet these days that doesn't start, oh, I'm so busy. It's almost like if you ask someone how they're doing, they're like, oh, I'm busy. <laughs> it's not how they are. That's just what they're doing, right? Right. Um, you know, so I'll start with the premise that all of our time is essential. Like we, we don't have a ton of time actually spare. And, um, you know, I know that happens all levels of the company. Um, but if you don't block it, you won't do it, Right. Um, I block time for myself, um, personally and professionally, and I haven't always done that. Um, I've had periods of time where I didn't do that, and it affected me negatively, life, work, et cetera, um, because I was too focused on doing and not as much on reflecting, giving my chance, myself a chance to understand what's going on, reevaluate where I need to go. Um, and so simple things. In the morning, I attempt to work out right? Whether it's a few minutes, if I only have a few minutes, or if it's an hour, you know, and it depends on the day, right? Mm -hmm. That gets me in a right frame of mind. I can do some thinking, um, whether it's, you know, whatever is going on in my personal life, whether it's going on in my uh, work life. Um, I also have time, and Katie, you're on our team, so you know, at work, I have time for us to get together and think about different topics. Think about what might disrupt us. Where do we want to be in five years? You know, and, and we do that systemically as a group. But I also have my own time where I think without my team and I think without my peers. And I read. Um, there's this number of publications I read each and every day. Um, there's certain groups that I belong to with my peers or with community organizations that I make sure I make time for um, because that's where innovation comes from. So, you know, I create a system that balances as best I can on most days, <laughs> all the competing parts of life, and I protect them, right? Sometimes my to-do list 
it frankly, it never gets all the way off. I've never had a clean to do list. So at some point, you've just got to cut it off and say, you know what, right now, it's important for me to invest in this because I know the exponential impact I can make by having more rest or more reflection or time with my peers or going to a conference that invests in my skill set that I can bring back into the workplace. Or I can just incrementally keep beating my head against the wall and going through my to-do list every single day. And that's going to help me get ahead of my to-do list. But, you know, is it going to revolutionize the company? Absolutely not. Right. So it's that balance. Yeah. That's great. Mike, your thoughts? Um, and, and the question goes back to value of reflection, right? Yes. Um, so very similar to Melissa. Um, and I'm just trying to think about things that I won't repeat, but I, some of my, <laughs> so I think, you know, schedule, if you ask my family, they would think that, you know, I, I have, to me, the having a schedule and being disciplined allows allows me, and I, I don't, I can only speak for myself, allows me to, and what I think to be a little bit more diligent with my time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know, like, for example, on Sunday from one 30 to four 30, I'm doing work and I'm, you know, it's not really like work, it's more like I'm thinking that's my thinking time. Yeah. No different than Melissa. I, I, you know, working out and I, I've st- I was reading this and I, I started realizing myself, it's not even about like the exercising. It's about taking yourself out of the day to day. I will do something. I will get that in no matter what, even if it's 10 o'clock at night, it will happen. Um, Melissa was a witness to that after one of our meetings. It's going to happen. It, 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 I think it's, impressive. it's not, it's not about like whatever I'm doing, but to me, it's more like, okay, I can step away from something. Otherwise I have a very difficult time taking, um, taking myself away from um, shutting it off day to day. So those are the yeah. couple things. I'm not an avid reader. Um, of course I told myself over, like that was my resolution with, um, around the uh, Christmas dinner time. I'm going to read some more. And I, I find myself, I cannot just read for fun. I have to read for purpose. But one of the things too, like even the last week or so, I, I picked up like three or four books. Like I have to buy them because if I don't buy them, I'll just be talking about. So to me, it's important, um, from a reading perspective that allows me that it has a little bit different, you know, perspective on what's going on. It's like, Okay, let's let's check ourselves going into the next two or three years. So that's another kind of important piece. That I, I um, and it's always right around Christmas, and then I'll die off, and I won't have the time to read. But or I won't make the time to read. But um, so I think it's, I, I think at the end of the day too, like you have to definitely, you know, everybody has their own way of doing things. But I think again, I hear the same thing that you hear, Katie. Everybody's really busy. Um, I like to be busy too. I have to actually admit to myself that that busy. Um, but to me, it's more like just making sure that I'm diligent with my time and that I'm thinking through things. Um, and I, I completely agree. You've got to, you've got to make the time no different than what I was saying. Like I, I have to have that reflection time on, on Sunday because Monday you just want to get stuff done. (laughs) You want to take action and, and make things happen. Um, and without that pause, you just kind of go to the inevitable to-do list. Like Melissa said, and you know, one of the other things too is, I think I have a good memory. Maybe I don't as, as much as I think I do, but I have been keeping a book and Charlie has a book too. I think a lot of people, you know, who um, hear this will hear that, will read that. But, you know, to me, writing stuff down is very important. I was, just real quick on that. I was, um, before I came to the company, I was in a meeting with um, Charlie's old company and there was an executive that kept meticulous notes. And I had several meetings over a two year period with this person. And these notes and how meticulous they were, how the dates they were, 
um, I went into meetings and over time I started to realize like this person is really organized and they're just going to wear me out in these meetings. And they absolutely did. So um, to me, it's important. Like I have kept a, you know, it's really just a to-do list. It's a, it's write it down, but like, I have, I have a very particular system with that that I've had for like 14 or 15 years. And that's really important too, to um, just, I think in some sense to feel like you're accomplishing something the other day, you're hot, you're checking it off, you're highlighting it. You're feeling like I'm staying on track. The other thing too is like in the morning, I absolutely take a look at this either at night or in the morning. Um, I will look at this list, create my list. I'm not creating a list during the day. Very rarely. I am going into the day with my complete list so I can cross them off and feel good. Like I'm accomplishing something and highlight them if, if I feel real good. Um, but I think that's important too, because it is so difficult during the day to get pushed and pulled that at the end of the day, you look back and think to yourself, what did I really accomplish? That's what the to-do list really makes me think, okay, I got done what I needed to get done today. Yeah. You know, I've met those people that are like, well, on January 4th, you said this in our meeting. And I'm always like, how did you remember that? <laughs> it really is. I, it blows my mind and it's something that I aspire to. So thank you both for sharing those things. Now you're both purposeful and diligent people. Um, and that's clear. And those seem to be things that you might look for in a leader beyond even being a systems thinker. But what else? I think it's good that we start to close this out with this broader look at what it takes to become a leader because you're both at the top of your careers and started where many of us are. So as our leaders, what else are you both looking for in someone who wants to lead more people or to lead the organization one day? I think, you know, the ability to think a little bit, to think ahead, you know, I think mm -hmm. you're, you're, that's part of it. I think that's part about the system thinking. I think too, um, uh, just to reference somebody else's another book that Jim Collins has this window versus mirror. Are you able to, if, if things go well, are you able to make sure that you don't take the credit in the people that work for you do? At the same time, if things go wrong, you look, you, you look in the mirror and you take the blame. Hmm. And nobody's perfect. And I've said that a bunch of times because I don't want to make it like I've figured things out because I am absolutely still learning. Mm -hmm. But I think that type of reflection is important because without those, you know, at the end of the day, um, we got to set the strategy. We need to make sure that we're consistent, but the people in the company is what makes it happen. That's our greatest asset. Um, that's the craftsmanship that the company, um, that's what it's all about. You know, we're, in a, we're not selling products here. We're, sell, we're in a service industry. And um, I think the right mindset is extremely important in order to make sure that everything we're talking about, it, it will not work as a systems if that mindset isn't right, if the leader isn't driving, if um, the people aren't set up for success. So I, I think that reflection, not just reflection, but actual kind of like how you handle, how you handle issues and how you acknowledge things that do go well is extremely important to put you in the right mindset to talk, you know, to execute the things that we talked about for the last 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Great thoughts, great ideas. And Melissa, a, a key part of your function in this company is to develop our talent. What would you say to those looking to become a leader? Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is, you know, Mike hit on, you know, execution and frankly being known for something. You know, your ticket to being even considered for a leadership role is that you have a high degree of execution, your word means something. I call it a savvy ratio, what you say 
So what you do should be as close to 100% as possible. That's how you earn credibility and um, trust. Um, but you know, putting that aside, just because you execute really well doesn't mean you're ready to be a leader. Um, number one thing I look for is continuous learning. Um, frankly, you know, when I look at my career, could anyone predict the um, environment that I'm dealing with right now with, you know, the great resignation going on in the world, a global pandemic, you know, all these different things. I know I couldn't have, there's no rule book on exactly how to navigate in that. So if someone believes that they have learned all, know it all, have gotten it and now are done, that's a signal to me that they're not actually a leader. A leader is somebody who's constantly thinking, there's something I haven't figured out. I wonder how I can learn about that. I wonder how my team can teach me about that. Having the mm -hmm. humility to know that as a leader, you have a team of experts. You're not meant to know it all. You're meant to help them realize their potential and show what they know and grow themselves as a leader. You know, I, I have a quote next to me, not necessarily for this conversation, um, but I hang it on my wall. It says, a sign of a good leader is not how many followers you have, but how many leaders you've created. And that was mm -hmm. from um, Andy. I believe that. So I know a good leader when other people are telling me how they, their careers or their life has been impacted by somebody. Hmm. If someone's telling me how great they are, that's one thing. If other people are telling me how much you've affected them, that's a whole different problem, right? Um, you know, I think strong communication is essential. As I mentioned, you can't really get people to follow you or go toward a certain vision unless you can articulate it and tell them about it. Um, Financial acumen, obviously, and um, you know relationships. Our business is about people and relationships. Yeah. We happen to, um, you know, do the craft work that we do, and that's wonderful. But at the end of the day, the relationships between the people, the relationships with OGC, the relationships with our customers, our owners, etc. Um, that's oftentimes, you know, what closes the deal between us getting work and somebody else. So I think a leader has to be strong in their relationship um, to be able to be effective. Yeah. Again, two different perspectives um, that you both bring to this conversation, but they are so aligned with what they're bringing, with the information that you're providing, the insight you're giving to our listeners here. So I want to thank you for that. I have one last question. And it's our favorite, unrelated to what we've been talking about today, curveball question. This one does actually have a slight relationship to what we've talked about, though. And it helps us get to know you a bit better. Ready? Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. If you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would it be and why? Who's ready? Neither of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll go. And this is just something on the home front. Um, so for me, I, I think I've needed out a lot of things that I wanted to eliminate, you know, um, you know, from a grocery delivery to, you know, Ooh, yeah. um, being more efficient and things like that. But I haven't quite figured out how to get someone to clean the house every day, dishes, like, you know, just 
this stuff. I gotcha. You know, and I have two kids, so I feel like it's a never-ending battle. You know, you come in and what you did yesterday is completely undone. So um, I haven't quite figured that one out yet. The chores, got it. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Mike. Um. You know, I wish it's not a thing, but like maybe an aspiration for me, like I have such a tough time getting up in the morning and the same thing, you know, right when Melissa said with the kids, um, they move like right from the bed to the couch. And then so <laughs> it's not eliminating, but maybe like if, if there's like one thing I wish I could just get going and, um, and get moving in the morning. Um, and I and I've Try to do different things to do that but like I feel like there's another 30 minutes in there that I could get moving a little quicker so um that's the that's that's what I can I'll think take of. it I oh. accept it I accept the yes. answer it's a good one darn those morning people I completely get you exactly. uh, <laughs> well thank you both this has truly been enlightening and I hope for some it really does prompt an understanding of how to practice leadership at the next level of of both thinking and doing so thank you again. Thanks for having us, Katie. Thank you. Okay, let's compare notes. Systems thinking is seeing up and down, in and out, side to side. It requires listening to and surrounding yourself with people who are different from you, aligning training, procedures, scorecards, and having someone who believes in the system and the people to make the business scalable. Mike McCann and Melissa DeMiro are living proof that systems thinkers exist and are necessary to grow and lead a business. But don't take my word for it, take theirs. They unlocked so many great tips to become better thinkers and leaders. So that's what I'm gonna go do now, think. I'll catch you next time on Limbach Unlocked. Thank you.